0: Our guests this week are two brothers, Oscar and German Buendia from Good Day Capital and the outstanding Instagram feed REI Brothers. They are two brothers who discovered multifamily investing while they were in the military. They've got a great story about how they overcame a lot of their limiting beliefs and found their first multifamily deal through networking and the decision that they faced when taking on a property of that size and whether or not they should try to raise private capital. If you ever had any doubt about the importance of networking when it comes to real estate investing, this episode is going to sweep away all doubt. We also talk about ways to overcome the challenges facing many investors when they are lacking the time to invest, the money to invest, or the experience and knowledge to invest. I'm Neil Henderson, and this is The Road to Family Freedom. Before we begin this week's show, I'd like to make you an offer. A free 30-minute call with me. We've been doing weekly chats with other real estate investors for months now, and the response has been great. But we're going to change things up a bit and focus. We are buying self-storage facilities. We have a great partner in North Carolina with a great track record of success, a background in construction, and we're partnering up to help him expand his portfolio. If you have an interest in learning more about investing in self-storage on the active side on the passive side whatever your level of interest we want to talk to you there's no pitch here we're not selling a coaching program this is just a chance for us to network with other investors interested in self-storage also if you're a current self-storage owner we'd love to chat with you and perhaps have you as a guest on our show if all that sounds like something you'd be interested in Go to to roadtofamilyfreedom.com slash self-storage call and schedule a call there. I look forward to speaking with you.
1: All right, enough out of us. Let's hit the road
0: to family freedom. German and Oscar Buendia, welcome to the Road to Family Freedom. Hey, Neil.
2: Hey, Neil. Thank you so much, man. Thank you for having us. Uh,
0: We're excited. It's a pleasure to meet you both. Um, So up until recently, you were both in the military, or you are still in the military, can you talk to us about what sparked your interest in investing in multifamily?
2: Okay, and I'll Absolutely. let you choose
0: who goes first.
2: I think, uh, German, you, you start this time. Okay.
1: <laughs> so uh, uh, real estate has is, is always been something that uh, I personally been really interested in. I just didn't know anything about it. Uh, like a lot of people, I thought it was just buying a house, sit on it, and then probably refinance it and, and, or sell it and then buy another one. Um, but then moving forward around 2015, uh, in regards to investing the, 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 the right way, my brother introduced me to um, Rich Dad Poor Dad. And I kind of visualized, okay, this, this is doable. Anybody can do it, um, and I can do it. So that really sparked my interest on doing it the correct way and actually in a way that you can create wealth. Uh, so that's what sparked my interest. And in, uh, since 2000, it was around 2015, that's when I started investing a lot of time, a lot of uh, energy into, into
2: being able to do it. Yeah, and then from there, we actually, what, what really sparked into multifamily was recently, you know, we, we were buying small residential multifamily, and we were able to buy a large portfolio uh, at once of 20 units. And from there, we realized how much more convenient, easier, and I would just say it takes the same effort to complete a a deal of that size or bigger uh, than comparing it to a residential multifamily, uh, just one or two, it took the same kind of effort, the same networking. So kind of from there we our, our limiting beliefs are you know everything that we we thought was not achievable or attainable yet. I mean, we crushed it, we we're like, okay, we know where to go for capital, we know how to net we understand how to network, we still have to grow our network, but we, we and we've been doing that since, and i mean it's been it's been a tremendous ride yes
0: when uh, what did that first multifamily deal like did you guys was the first property you ever bought a small multifamily mine yes
2: so we were before that we were trying to do just quick fix and flips and we were doing it on our own and we were trying to do buying and uh the fixing and flipping didn't work my wholesaling did not work at least you know it just it, i didn't put the energy into it but i also did not like it so it, it, it didn't fit with me. So I ended up doing buying and hold. I bought a few, I bought one duplex on my own. Uh, I still have it cash flows. I don't even worry about it. I have a property manager in Colorado Springs who she talked we talk once a month and just pays me the the, the remainder after expenses. And I, I love it. So then from there, that one, I was like, okay, well, I'm, I did it one time and then we were going to continue scaling uh little by little and then with my brother we're like wow this 20 unit came out of portfolio which this lady had 300 units she wanted us to buy all 300 but uh at the same time we were like okay well could we do 300 and the the, everything was actually coming into place for it but then that we were also kind of too much of out of our comfort zone, and we're like, no, well, we'll do uh twenty units. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll yeah, do it. And, uh, and,
1: and the reason why we only did that was because in order for us to get the uh, the three hundred, we had to either partner up with other investors or raise the money. And uh, at the time, we didn't have the knowledge to deal with other people's money in that at that at that. At that point at that level, yeah. exactly at that level, so, so we didn't feel comfortable taking other people's money. so we just invested our capital and we bought that, that portfolio, which is a small deal, uh, but, but for us at the time, it was it was extremely big. Um, yeah. but like my brother said, thanks to the fact that we got into that deal. Uh, it crutched a bunch of limited beliefs and, and now we're, we got into something big.
2: And a whole bunch of other doors just opened. I guess as soon as we closed, deals out of nowhere came to us. Investors came to us, our network grew. I mean, ridiculously, it was just ridiculous growth. And we were like, well, where was all this before this deal? Because everything else after that was like amazing. And yeah. <laughs> we we wish we would have had that <laughs>
0: Yeah. A good friend of mine often talks about um, you know at what point does a deal become more exciting than scary and hmm. and that once once you get to the point where the deal is exciting that's when that's when you're ready for that kind of deal. if you're looking at the deal and all there is is fear, yeah, probably listen to your intuition that that's maybe either not a deal or that's just probably a little too much for you to bite off right now. And that's, that's very much where Brittany and I kind of got to the point where, you know, I had been spending so many, so much time, um, trying to hit a home run, you know, trying to get that first deal out of the gate, just be something that would be life-changing and, you know, you're probably better off biting off something that just gets your reps in to, you know, make Get you the feeling of what it feels like to to execute on a deal and to talk to a banker and talk to a lend you know a lender and and a contractor and and get used to the money flowing in and out of your bank account and um, rather than you know as you're saying you know three, a three hundred unit deal where you're going to have to talk to investors and you know where you're going to have a lot of money on the line
2: exactly yeah yeah, yeah. And, and you know what other other people's money people make it sound easy but but it's not it's a huge responsibility right and anyone who tells you yeah i'll just take your money and invest it for you and give it back that's not the right answer you you have to be you have a, a responsibility to people if you do that and at at that point we were not confident in doing that we just said if we 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 would If we messed up, our reputation would be done and be shot. I mean, every, it's a small world in real estate. And then we decided, hey, let's put in our own money. And this is kind of our test bed to make sure we learn how to operate, you know, at least at a 20-unit level. And from there, we, we have a model to replicate at a higher level.
0: So, yeah. So what did that, uh, that first deal was that 20-unit deal, correct?
2: Correct. The larger one, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. how did you find that deal
2: oh man german is oh a,
0: man there's a it's a, a story that's the right best there. part yeah
1: yeah uh so my brother and i we used to invest separately uh he would do it in in colorado i was doing it in california i, I was doing the same thing of uh, fixing flips um uh, wholesaling uh you name it but i i never felt passionate about it for some reason, it's like oh, yeah, there has to be something better. Everybody's so excited about real estate investing, but this is not investing. And uh, my brother and I, uh, in 2019, we got together and, and and we kept hearing Ohio. You know, people invested in Ohio. In uh, my brother, you exactly entry point in Ohio is 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 way lower than California, Colorado, or, or other states the laws also are very um, uh, friendly towards investors. So my brother told me, like, why don't don't you just go to Colorado for like a week? And and let's buy one or two, Ohio, sorry. Um, And and just buy one or two houses and and let's see how that works. And it's like, okay, let's go. So what I did, I personally did because I didn't know anybody in Ohio. We didn't have any network or nothing. And I just started posting on social media. Hey, I'm going to Ohio from this day to this day. And I want to meet, everybody uh, real estate related, uh, realtors, uh, property property managers, uh, brokers, uh, wholesalers, anybody. And and when I landed to, before I landed to uh, to, uh, Ohio, a bunch of people were texting me all the time. Hey, I I wanna meet you, let's meet on this time. So I I filled my agenda with, I don't know, I think I made like 200 people that week. and, and it was pretty exciting because i 'm really social and, I, I, and and I have those networking skills, but that took me to another level because i 've never done it that way with that such intensity so it was it was a it was a, a booster of con- of confidence during that week during that same week. Uh, there was this this lady, the owner of the uh, of the portfolio, and she approached me on Facebook, and, and she's like, "Hey, I know you're in town, and you're looking for some properties. I have a portfolio that I'm trying to sell because I want to retire." And and from there on, um, I contacted uh, uh, people that I used to work on 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 flipping, and trying to get the partners. Because like I said, at the beginning, I was like, "Okay, well, we're not gonna be able to take." my brother and I are ourselves on this. So we need partners. And, um, and finally there was, there was the person that I used to work with and, and she held our hands and she's like, no, you can't do it. Um, We went through negotiations. We went from, yeah, 300, 300 properties to, uh, to the, the, the ones that we were actually to, to handle ourselves. And, And, and that's how it happened. It was like almost two months of negotiating back and forth. Um, a week or two of silence because we went with uh she wanted one point two, we went way lower, she went silent, she didn't even talk to us for like two weeks um, and finally she came back and she's like, "Hey you know guys um, yeah i want to go i want to go with you guys um, so it, it was pretty exciting it was it was a lot of uh learning lessons and, and but i I don't know it, it was it
2: was awesome. it was off market straight to to her, her and it was huge networking he did. Extremely.
0: Um, so, what was the what was the ultimate purchase price? If you don't mind my asking,
2: it was eight twenty one.
0: Eight twenty one. Okay. Yeah. And um, did you was it traditional financing? Did you have to come to the table with twenty to twenty five percent down?
2: Yeah, we came with twenty five percent. It it was a bridge loan at the time, and we were actually right now very close to the refi. And then, so that, that was part of the, so that's part of the negotiation there that we discovered it, it was an advantage as a buyer, but it's also uh, going to be a disadvantage when we go and sell. And it's the fact that when you have a portfolio of residential properties, they're still residential properties. So when you go to uh, the appraisals, the appraisal is not going to come come in through income approach. Rates are still going to come in through uh the you know the market and the appraisal and the comps in the area. So no matter what, it was 821. Cash flow-wise, I mean it's it was up 1.2, 1.1.5, uh, which is why we decided to to pursue it. And once we got in, then we had several issues with some tenants, we replaced tenants, we got occupancy up to about 90%. Um, and then we're close to 95 right now. But it, it is a great performing portfolio. You know, it, is, it was a good catch.
0: Um, and where, where in Ohio is it? Uh, Lorraine. Lorraine. What's it? Called? So you both, both spoke Lorraine? Sorry. Lorraine. Lorraine.
1: Gotcha. Lorraine, Ohio. It's uh, west of uh, Cleveland, right outside Cleveland.
0: Gotcha. Um, and what what drew you to Lorraine? Well, we
2: looked at, well, one, she found us, right? So it's not that it drew us, but we were looking in Cleveland. But Cleveland's taxes are, are higher. Um, and then we started looking at the outskirts of Cleveland. Um, and Lorraine was one of the more uh, landlord-friendly. Uh, the laws were better. The taxes were lower. Um, and there was also a couple other incentives as far as, uh, that several jobs, uh, companies were coming in into that area. So we were, we were, feeling good. We were feeling good about Lorraine. Either way, we were feeling good about Cleveland and Ohio in general. And this is pre COVID before, you know, some of the, a little bit more of it, unemployment was hit there, but even, even now it's still pretty, pretty good.
0: Yeah. Um, so you talked about, um, that you found this seller on Facebook Yes, uh, and I know that you guys are big on social media marketing and that's how you're, you know, can you talk to us about how that, how that connection happened and what your strategy is on social media for connecting with potential sellers?
1: Okay. So social media, the, uh, so it start, everything started with that, with that, with that trip to Ohio. Um, like I said, i mean I, I just started posting on every single uh, real estate group and 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 posted it every two three days uh, at the beginning and all I wanted to do at that point the strategy was I wanted to fill my agenda with with people that were interested in to to talk to me and I knew uh, from a friend uh, of the family that uh, that Ohio at that time was pretty, pretty hot, you know, with uh, with single families and small multifamilies. And that's basically what we're looking for. We didn't know about multifamily at that, at that time. So I knew that I was going to be able to to achieve that if I was going to go out there, especially saying that hey, I'm coming from California. Uh, for some reason, you know, everybody thinks that here in California, like money grows on trees or something. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, so I just, I just started posting everywhere that I could. I started uh, writing names down, phone numbers and, and putting people on, on my calendar. And so that was the, the first strategy. And like I, like I told you, our plan was to buy maybe one or two properties and then see how that would work. And uh, once I got there, um, I, I was I was meeting with people left and right as soon as I finished talking to or going to meet us, I, I, as soon as I finished talking to somebody I was texting the other person is like hey, where can I go meet you uh, go see them uh, and then and then like I said it, the 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 plan changed and the whole strategy changed once the uh that seller contacted me with with something that we weren't even expecting uh that wasn't the strategy that wasn't the plan it was something that that um that just showed up and, and we, we saw the, the, the opportunity. Uh, one of the things that kind of caught our, our attention, one is that she was retiring. She wanted to, to move out of state. And the other one, she mentioned 1031, that she wanted to do a 1031. So, so that played a lot into the um, negotiation strategy that we used later on. Uh, we knew that we had, um, in some aspects of the negotiation, we had the upper hand. Um, so
2: that that was a, a learning lesson as well. Okay. Yeah, but Facebook groups were huge. We, I mean, we're still part of so many of them. And anytime we want to do something, we, I mean, we post and post and post. And it's not just a one-time thing. It's yeah. I mean it that that time, I remember my brother German was posting at least like every hour or every other hour, saying, "Hey, I'm gonna fly out," or "Hey, I arrived," and it kind of showed. People like, hey, this guy is not playing around. He wants to meet people. He flew from California. He's not. He's not BSing people. Like, we're taking action. Come talk to me. We're looking for something. And yeah, a lot of people just start reaching out, and then people were even reached out to me, and I wasn't going anywhere. I was in Colorado, and I was like, no, no, here, talk to my brother, because you know, I don't, I don't have time for it right now.
0: But yeah. Well, and it's um, it shows people that you're not a you're not a tire kicker you know, that you're serious. Listen, I'm coming out there. I'm going to mm-hmm. be there, uh, you know, because a lot of people, um, we, we buy, we're looking for self-storage and I'm in probably similar sort of groups that you are in on Facebook and you constantly have people coming in and going, hey, I'm kind of interested in this self-storage thing. And, you know, I'd like to talk to, network with some people about storage. You, who can, who wants to talk to me? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And most of the time it's going to be crickets. Yep. Yeah. You know, um, but you know, if someone were to come, if someone were to come in there and say, Hey, listen, I'm interested in self-storage. Anybody who's a self-storage owner in, uh, Florida, uh, in this specific area in, G- in the Gainesville area, I'm coming to town. I want to meet with as many of you as you as I can. You know, if you're a broker, uh, you're an owner, Your name uh, whatever I want to meet. Yeah. With um, and then continue as you did. Hey, I'm, I'm flying out today. I'm looking forward to meeting whoever I can meet you know, Hey, I'm on the ground, I'm here. You know, I mean, this is constant, like uh, your face and that's a, it's a great strategy. It's sort of, do you do, are you, has that process evolved at all? Are you still doing that kind of thing or? uh, No.
2: So we, so that was the first time we did it. Right. And honestly, before that we had not done any social media. We had, we didn't have our own podcast. We didn't have any, any marketing done at all but what we're doing now is we're some we are looking to do a campaign uh for the tampa orlando msa for large apartment buildings between 50 to 200 units uh and we're also looking for hotels and the idea is the idea is and, and some of my brother yesterday actually is kind of hey go out there uh, And we we talk, we we trying to send out the same messages, see what we can get off market. And then we're also gonna do cold calling. We're gonna gonna throw cold calling in there, uh, just see if we can ping sellers and maybe those that we get hot leads from, we can, hey, meet up with them, Uh, which my brother's actually gonna retire and move to that area. So that's part of the advantage that we hope to have that competitive advantage where we can say, hey, Hey, seller, you picked up the phone. Can we also meet up with you, you know, tell you what we can offer? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it is sort of evolving, but we haven't had the chance yet to do it.
1: Yeah, because uh, COVID kind of slowed us down. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah COVID kind of slowed us down. Uh, otherwise, we wouldn't, because that was the plan. It's like, okay, now let's let's do it again. Um, around March, I think uh, I had a schedule to, to go to... Uh, to Ohio again to get more properties and then COVID hit us. And it's like, okay, so, yeah. but it, it give us, it gave us a chance to, to learn, uh, other, other tactics and other things that we didn't know before. So it was, it was a blessing in this class, Yes.
0: Yeah. Well, I think what you're doing is, is such an important lesson. One is that just tell everybody what you're doing. Yes. You know, I, I think it's Brandon, Brandon Turner, I think is the first person I ever heard say this. He's like, tell everyone that you invest in real estate and get specific. Mm -hmm. Listen, I buy, I buy small multifamily properties or I buy, I'm looking for small apartment buildings um, and tell everyone um, to the point where they're like, yeah, yeah, I know you buy small apartment building, you know, so don't be shy uh, because you never know when someone is going to know someone. Absolutely owns one and is looking to sell. Um, and the other thing is the challenge. It's it's a challenge I'm facing right now with COVID as well as trying to network with self-storage owners. You know, I, you know, I would be like you, I would be on a plane right now going to meet with some of these uh, with some of these owners. And now it's this, it's a lot harder. Hey, can you get on the phone with me? Oh, hey, you yep. want to get on a zoom call with me and um, and a lot of self-storage owners are, are not particularly sophisticated when it comes to technology. Mm-hmm. So it can be really hard getting them um, getting them to get onto a, a, a video chat.
2: Yeah. yeah. And to hit on the point that you just said, we were doing something that we didn't know that we were doing, but Grant Cardone talks a lot about it. Um, and I know some people aren't a fan of him recently, but you, you can't knock on the man for for. Actually, bringing syndication to the masses, right? He, he really was a front runner in it. But he always says, exposure, exposure, exposure. Everyone has to know you. And we didn't even know that. But when we started really doing social media out of the woodwork, people were like, Who are you? And we had some good people approach us and some bad people too. But at the end of the day, we knew we were getting attention. Uh, yep. And that helped because we were getting into places and people were saying, oh, yeah, I've seen you. My brother was paying a bill one time and some guy <laughs> approached him. and It was the weirdest thing. It was like, hey, like you, you're on Instagram, right? And then he called me right away and said, hey, this guy just approached me. Like, I didn't know we had that reach. And I was it like, was, yeah, man, like, like we have pretty good reach on it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that, was a, that was a funny story. Uh, I was paying actually, I had some issues with a, with a bill. Uh, I can't remember what it was. It was cable or, or electricity, something. And I called um, I called and, and gave my name. And the guy waited until the end of the call. The, the, he told me, hey, are you the guy from uh, uh, from uh, the, the invested real estate? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, man, I, I followed you on Instagram. It's like, is there a way that we can meet? He's in California. So I was like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, man. It's like, I'm, I'm interested. I want to learn this that. um and that's the first time I felt like I was some kind of famous guy. I called my brother, like, dude, like somebody just told me <laughs> I didn't he like he didn't see really my face. face. He just heard me on the phone. He heard my name and he recognized it. So yeah, it's uh my brother mentioned uh Grand Cardone and 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 I take it I take it to heart and I try as much as possible to be omnipresent. He talks about uh, a lot about being omnipresent and, and and show you face your face everywhere and tell everybody like you said, um, what is it that you do. And even if people don't like it, it's like, okay, whatever, man. One, one day you're going to remember and, and, and you'll talk about me and, and that'll, be, that'll be good. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's, our, that's our approach
0: right now. Just try to be everywhere and everybody to know our name. So you mentioned that you attracted, you attracted a lot of good people, but you also attracted some not so great people. Is there anything that sort of red flags that sort of jumped out to you that made you go, yeah, this is not somebody I want to be involved with?
2: Yeah, absolutely. We attracted a lot of uh, fake lenders uh, people who i mean anyone that says one hundred percent financing i mean don 't don 't believe that there 's no way anyone that gives you uh, that it gives you a good rate but then saying you have to pay the fee up front I mean I know that you want to do a deal, but you know follow your logic and know that that's not that 's not a real thing yeah. um, and then we attracted also other, i guess social Media influencers, uh, who who are great. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of them out there. But we also attracted some that felt that we were stepping in their area, and it was pretty interesting to see yeah. it, it, it a message. Hey, like I don't know you guys. I don't. I don't know if I can trust you. People are asking me about you. So it's kind of weird seeing stuff like that too. Um, you know. But at the end of the day, you you got to do. What's best for you and what you think is right. Um, so yeah, yeah, that that too. So you know, don't be afraid of the criticism, I guess, or to get in somebody's area. Yeah. But yeah, we we received a little bit of, of both, but then we also received tons of people who were like, "Hey man, we love what you're doing. Keep at it." So you know, that, that's an important piece right there.
0: It's a very slow-moving snowball. And and it's hard. I mean, we're we're starting. We're only now, just now, starting to sort of see uh, the the results of of doing a podcast two times a week for the last for over a year. You know, um, and we're starting to. I've have more and more people calling me and and wanting to invest, and people calling and and uh, you know wanting to just network and connect. And that's really all I'm trying to do. I'm not. There's not you know, for me, I'm a dad with a full-time job and uh, it's not very easy for me to get out and go to RIA meetings anymore. Um, So this, and especially now in the time of COVID. So this is really more than anything. It's a way for me to get out and network with people um, that I couldn't ordinarily, you know, uh, I can't go out to RIAs anymore. I can't afford to do that. Um, And so this is just a great way to to network with other investors and um, and I dragged my wife along with me most of the time she well they couldn't do it today so
1: but. yeah i couldn't i couldn 't agree more with you and with one of the reasons why we did the podcast like you said is is one network, and the other one, I think it was easier for us to get to high level investors and ask the questions uh, because in a sense we 're creating value right uh, if we get an audience eventually i mean we're, we're putting their name out there as well uh, they're putting their brand out there as, uh, as well um, so it was easier for us instead of calling somebody and asking for help or for 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 advice it's easier to ask during the podcast it's like can you tell us your story can you tell us you know give us a go a golden nugget right now uh, in in they will give it to you so it was easier for us to network that way and and also a way to create value because yeah we, we're small we're small guys in a in you know in a in an ocean uh of investors so um so podcast has been a great uh uh avenue for us to to be able to do that yeah, yeah and true. we're doing the same thing as you just trying to network learn and and yeah and, and, and have fun in this in this uh great industry.
0: Yeah. So, um, is there anything about investing in multifamily that people overestimate how hard it's going to be?
2: How hard it's going to be? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's not easy at all. I would say it is a, you have to have a high level view and be able to develop a team develop a strategy, right? I mean, these aren't things that you could just go out and try to wholesale, right? It's just different. You're actually, the way I see it is you're actually building a business. You're not just doing a once or twice thing to invest, right? So yeah, it the whole thing, I mean, if you can, we invested in in education. We got to the point where we had uh, like another we had like three, four deals before COVID and they all dropped uh, either due to due diligence or COVID. Uh, There were like 50 units or so, but they dropped. And from there we decided, Hey, you know what? We're going to invest in education. So we tell everyone, we we went with Jake and Gino and we're proud members of their Academy. Um, And they've been able like our, the way we think about finances, how we think about returns to investors, how we think about lowering expenses, everything, I mean, has been such a learning curve for us, like amazing. So I always tell people, I mean, you never stop learning one, but two is you really, I, I think that syndication, you you have to get either someone has to mentor you or you have to go and pay for a mentorship um, because it it's not, can you do it by yourself starting out? Yes, you can, but you can, you it can be very difficult, and then if you make a mistake with investors, <laughs> not only are the investors going to come for you, the SEC is going to come for you, the government. That's not something you want to play with. You want to do that stuff right. So I, I, for us at least, that's how we take it, and we tell people, hey, get your education seriously, a mentor, or through a mentor, pay or get a mentor. You
0: know, yeah. wanted to. Well, and one of the one of the things that. You know, as far as getting a mentor, if, you're, if you can't pay for a mentor, uh, and there's plenty of people starting off that are like, I, I'm, you know, I don't know what uh, mentorship with Jake and Gino costs, but, you know, often you see mentorships in syndication like this that are upwards of $50,000. Yeah. And people are like, I don't have that money, or I want to spend that money on a deal. And okay, um, if you don't have that money, then you need to take stock of what you do have. Chances are you, people have one of three things. They either have money, they have time, or they have knowledge. And if you don't have money, then you got to find, and you don't have knowledge, then you need to find a way to bring your time to someone who has yeah. one of those two things. Um, and you got to find a way to add value, you know, bird dog for deals, you know, figure out a, figure out a way to, to, you know, uh, to bring deals to someone who's got knowledge and, yeah. uh, and, or money. Uh, yeah. So
2: if you're, if you're good, if you're, for example, I've worked with prior analysts in the past, operational analysts, um, very smart people, you know, PhDs in maths or whatever. And my, my thought process has always been is if I can get to a point in my business and syndication where I have enough in business where I can hire someone like them, I can have competitive advantage And how quick we underwrite, how quick we, you know, turn around analysis, things like that. Because am I okay at math? I'm, I'm sort of okay. Can I do Excel? Yeah. But can I compete with a guy who's who has a PhD in, in operational who's an operational analyst, who's a financial analyst? No, these guys crunch and look at numbers all day, understand bell curves, understand all kinds of stuff. So if you're someone with some kind of special skill, and you're interested in real estate, I mean, you know how to do Excel where you're doing like drawings on Excel, call me. (laughs) We need an Excel guy, right? Or girl, right? If you know accounting in and out, but you're not certified yet, you're in college or whatever it is, you know, work for us. We'll write you an internship letter. We'll say, Hey, this person's amazing. Who knows? Maybe you'll continue working with us. You'll be part of the team, right? If we fit, but until the time there has to be some kind of value. And most people have it. They just don't know their special skill yet and they undervalue it. You know, everyone has something they're really good at. You know, are you great on the phone? Hey, call, call for us, right? (laughs) There's all kinds of ways you can be creative,
0: you know. Do you have anything to add to that?
2: Yeah, uh, as a matter of fact, uh,
1: one of the things that I always kind of underestimated myself is on my uh, social skills. Uh, I never thought it was something that I could monetize one day. Uh, I always had them but uh, but and my brother told me one day so i mean you 're underestimating yourself, but once I got into this this business and i 'm the one that is going out there in, in, in finding deals and doing the uh, investors relationships and all that stuff, I can see the value of just being able to talk to people, listen to people and And being able to just go on the, go out there and, and try to like make it happen somehow you know um, so if you just if you 're just one of those people that know how to talk know how to make friends um, and 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 ha- like you said, have the time. That's a valuable skill to have. And, and like you said, a lot of investors don't have the time. A lot of investors are really shy, <laughs> you know? Uh, so if you're the guy that can, that can say, hey, what is it that you need? Let me go get it for you. Tell me what is it that you need. I'll go get it for you. I'll get the, I'll get the, the, the network. If, if that's what you need, I, I get the partners. I get the investors. Um, I got the time and I got the skill. I'll go get it. Uh, so yeah, uh, like I said, I I used to underestimate my, my myself in that in that sense, and um, but it, it's paying off now, and and I see I now I know how to use it. It's pretty cool.
0: Well, and being able to raise capital is is one of the most valuable skills that almost anyone, I mean, it's just a huge, it is a huge, huge skill. And if somebody, if you're somebody who's in sales um, and like, like you said, is just a really, a real people person and you understand um, an asset class and you can explain it to uh, someone who, you know, a a layman, uh, chances are you can probably raise capital. And that Mm -hmm. is, that's a huge, that's a huge skill.
1: Exactly, yes. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um. So I I don't know how much time your multifamily endeavors take right now, but I want to pose, this is a question we haven't asked before. I'm going to ask it in a a way. If you could only work two hours per week on your multifamily endeavors, what would you do to make that happen?
2: What would I do to make... It happened to work just two hours.
0: You can only you can only spend two hours a week working on multifamily. How would you make that possible?
2: How would I make it useful? That's two hours. Yes. Uh, right now on on the writing and uh, setting up our our uh, deal flow pipeline as far as uh, co calling and finding out all the the owners contact information uh, from the list that we're targeting, the, the the asset class that we're targeting in our MSA, that is how, what we would do. Yeah, I would do, um, yeah. And then start send up, we have a lot of processes that we're trying to figure out and we're, we're kind of all over the place. So yeah, and I'm more of the, the guy that's putting those pieces together. So that's what I would do.
1: And me, I would, uh, I would really nail down on call calling. Um, so I would do I would basically call calling and building more relationships. That's what, that's what I would do in those two hours.
0: Gotcha. That's probably your highest value task. Correct. Into the company. Yeah. Yes. We, um, we interviewed uh, Neil Bawa. Um, I don't know, oh. you know name at all. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: and Super he, smart guy.
0: Yeah. He's probably the, no, no offense guys. He's probably the smartest people person we've ever interviewed on the show. No, And he, you know, he's, he talks a lot about um, he's an outsourcing master. Um, and one of the tools he uses is a, a program called loom. L O O M. I'm not sure if you're familiar with, with it at all. Yes. I'm, just now digging into it because there's so many things that I need to offload to someone else. And it can be very difficult to sit there and try and explain to someone or try and write a whole step-by-step process. And you guys are both in the military. So I'm sure you are very familiar with tactics, techniques, and procedures. And you know, yes. you do this and you do this and you do this. Well, Loom allows you to basically record yourself doing something and then send that off to somebody. Um, and what I love that Neil Bawa talked about, he's like, I don't even bother writing down how I do something. I just record myself doing it. And then I'll tell them, hey, this is how I do it. And oh, by the way, I want you to write down how I did this. So now you're outsourced A, you've outsourced the doing of it and you've outsourced the document that yeah. someone has for, to produce in order to complete that task that makes
1: sense I'm, I'm pretty familiar with loom i'm pretty familiar with loom because i've seen people doing it but i just never thought of using it that way that's, you that's are
2: i've never heard of it i'm mad you never told me about it i've been wasting <laughs> all this time writing sops man <laughs> i'm gonna
0: look that up right now hire va teach a va how to do what yeah visually instead of yeah and then tell them to write the sop yeah then, no, then you can look at the SOP and go, "Yeah, yeah, I agree with that." Hey, change this. No, that should be that. So then, all you got to do is just edit the SOP. Yeah, you see it? No,
2: that's great. Yeah, no, we're we're looking at VAs right now, yeah, executive that's assistants. Cool. That, that's another thing, right? You mentioned about like investing in yourself, like education, and and maybe you don't have the money, but if you ever read Michael Hyatt's um, World class, class Assistant, he talks about the return uh, on investment in you outsourcing, right? And that's something I'm sure Neil Bobo hits on too. But the moment, for example, you can pay $1,400 for a month for a a class A executive assistant, not a virtual assistant. Essentially, they'll be your number two in your company helping you run everything as you kind of spearhead. And I've been looking into that and... I mean, the return from what I keep talking to, to Belay, which is Michael Hyatt's associated company, they, I mean, they seem amazing. I mean, and the, the return on time and the growth of your company, the efficiency, you can't, you can't replace that. You know, like what you invest, it comes back tenfold or, or whatever. So, you know, and I get it because we all have that mentality of, hey, like, you know, I want, I want to use that money for... You know, my individual thing, right? But if you're, especially if you're in the multifamily syndication, you know, storage house syndication, whatever syndication game you're in, that's not a that's not a long-term, that's not a short-term game. That's a long-term game. Most of us are trying to build businesses, systems, right? You need to have a team. You need to have employees at some point where you can dis- diversify, right? So, yeah. Just throwing that out there, you know, made me think of that with, with Neil, because he he talks about VAs a lot too, and Yeah. The
0: other thing he talked about that blew my mind was he said, you should always hire two VAs at a time, um, and, and make it so that they are, um, give them a a decent amount of work. Don't hire them for an hour here, hire them for a month. Like I'm going to hire you for a month and then compare they're doing basically a, B test them. Mm. Oh, wow. And one and whichever one was the best, keep that one. Uh, and then hire another one. And now you've got, you know, and give, keep, keep the one that was good and hire another one and and test out them and then just keep a, B testing them. Uh, and then just whoever, you know, it's sort of a, it's sort of a cutthroat thing to do, you know, but I mean, they're, they're used to kind of working contract, that way. Hire, you know, um, but just sort of build up your, your team that way, just with AB. That's right.
2: Yeah, it is.
0: So how much time are, is your, are your endeavors taking? Because I know you, you both, um, German, uh, German, you're about to retire, but Oscar, yes. you're still going to continue working. How much time do your real estate endeavors take you right now?
2: Oh, man, a lot. So, I mean... You know, I work a regular job, 7.30 to 4.35, right? And then, and that's something I'm working really hard right now, which is waking up even earlier, maybe around 4, <laughs> 5 the latest and doing work beforehand and then doing work after my wife and kids go to bed, which is 9.30 and on. Um, so yeah, it takes a lot. And then, you know, I'm also to focus on my family too, so at this point, after actually this one of our last weekend meetings, I'm trying to block off weekends and be with the family. Certain days, uh, we just started looking at our calendar again with my brother and determined that certain days are going to be for podcasts, certain days are going to be completely off. Because there, there came a point where we were, well, actually th- the point has been this. Even now, every day we've had something, and I'm like, man, I can't, I can't do that. You know, like at least. And you understand, you know, you, it can't all be work. Um, we'll get to our goals and it, we'll get there in whatever time it takes, How we, how, however best we can, right? We, we're not going to go crazy and stress ourselves out. <laughs> so, yeah, it takes a lot.
1: Yeah, me, me on the other side, I'm, I'm having a blast. I, I love what I do. Uh, if I could do it 24-7, I do it. Um, I do work every day. I, woke up, I wake up like at 4 in the morning. Um, I do most of the social media postings and comments and all that stuff. Uh, so for me to give you like a specific time of day, you know, I'm working all day, but I don't consider working. I just, I just love it. I'm in constant communication with, with people, um, uh, looking for deals, getting deals, trying to kind of analyze them before I send it to, to our team. Um, so, but I do it from, from Monday to Monday, um, since the minute I wake up to the minute I go to sleep. <laughs> I love
2: it. Yeah. And my idea is next, set myself up in the next four to five years um, that if I want to get out and I can get out as far as replacing income, that I will. Um, that is an option, right? That, and that's my whole, you know, idea, mantra is options. I like having options. If I have to stay in, I will. If I, if I don't, then I get out. But... I don't like the idea of saying I have to stay in the military. Like I have to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: it's something we preach a lot and we haven't really talked about it a whole lot lately, which is that it's not just about financial freedom. It's not just about being able to walk away from your job. Um, I love my job um, and a lot, a lot of people love their jobs, but. What happens when you have when you you start increasing the numbers uh, number of income sources that you have is it a it gives you options and b it's more it 's more secure uh, i mean i I have a pretty secure job, but there's no guarantees that i 'm not going to get hit by a bus tomorrow or or I could come down with uh, a virus from a pandemic that that you know, puts me on disability, long-term disability. Um, so it's, it's not just about getting to the point where you can retire and sit on a beach somewhere sipping pina coladas. Um, there is, there's, there's, there's places between, and there's also a lot more value in having multiple sources of multiple streams of passive income. That's, that's my take yeah.
1: No, I yeah, agree. no, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And and the fact that, like you say, options, because yeah, I do this, you know, and, and your listeners might hear it's like, oh my god, he does it seven days a week. Well, I have the option of if I want to take a day off, okay, I'll take the day off, and, and nobody is gonna call me, or can just text my brother and be like, I mean. I'm with my kid, and I just want to spend it with my kid. Uh, my brother has done that too, where he's like, "I'm with my family, man. I don't want, I don't want to be bothered today." Okay, no big deal. I, I got it, you know. So when when you have those options, uh, that that's amazing, you know. Or uh, in in that you want to spend with your family, you don't want to be bothered, and it doesn't matter. Nobody's gonna knock on your door. Your boss is not gonna call you or text you. It's like, where where are you? Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's pretty amazing. When you create those options, it's it's pretty amazing. And it's not just the income but the income builds that security where you don't have to, it's, it's not a
2: stress anymore. So yeah. Yeah, and in German, I mean, for all the people who are W-2 and, and have some sort of retirement in place or are close, I mean, don't get, you know, this whole passive income thing, I, one I think is, is a myth because anything that's truly passive, you have to put in tons of work into before it can become passive, truly passive. Um, anything before that is not truly passive because you are putting a lot of work into it. But German has an advantage because he is pretty much retired in place um, and in six months he's out and then truly retired and then he can focus on a new job. But for anyone out there who is in that same boat as far as, hey, should I retire? Should I'm close to retirement. Maybe I have a pension or, or whatever it is. A lot of the people that I know who, who are really successful in, in real estate and in multifamily have done it that way, have, have done a, a retirement and have that as their baseline secure and then go into their business and build a business. And I'm not just talking about syndication, I'm talking about in general. They go out and they build a GNC or startup, whatever, and they have a sense of security that they can continue and throw their retirement money into the business as well. So, I mean, just just a thought out there. Everyone's different. Everyone has their strengths, their weaknesses, the timing, how quick. But that's also a way to do it. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it doesn't, things don't happen overnight. So, yeah.
0: Well, Oscar German, thank you so much uh, for sharing with us today and taking a day away from your family. As I'm, I'm also taking some time away from my family, I appreciate uh, what a sacrifice that is. Uh, if any of our listeners want to find out more about you and reach out, what would be the best way for them to do that?
1: Um, well, you can find us. Uh, our email is info, INFO, at good day, Capital uh they can find us on instagram rei underscore brothers uh they can also find us by our name on linkedin uh or facebook and um we're pretty approachable so if anybody has any questions or um, wants to talk about real estate
2: we're always we're always there available for anybody yeah absolutely and thank you, God, thank you, Neil, for having us on. We truly appreciate it. Yeah, thank and, you. Uh, I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely, it's great meeting you both. You too. All right. Uh. Okay, that was German and Oscar. Okay, that was German and Oscar Buendia uh, from Good Day Capital and the REI Brothers on Instagram. Please uh, go check them out. Um, really, really enjoyed our com- my conversation with them. Um, so, for me, the biggest lesson learned from this interview was that um, hire out what you aren't good at. If you aren't great on the phone, but you're really, really good at analyzing deals, um, focus on analyzing the deals and try try and find a partner or find um, or hire someone who can. Uh, who look at what you can bring to the table for a an investor who's who's active and experienced in doing it as uh, uh as oscar said um I, or german they they look a lot alike I, I meant to ask whether or not they're twins um what they said was uh you know he he talked about if he could bring a, um, if you got somebody who can make drawings with, uh, with Excel, give him a call. Cause he could hire them. He, he would bring them on tomorrow. Um, so that it's just sort of what I, what I took from it is, is have some realization about what you have to bring to the table or what you're lacking. Um, and either find a way to bring that value to someone or find a way to bring someone in who adds that value. Um, the key piece of knowledge or how they, how they got educated, both of them uh, freely admit they, uh, they hired mentors uh, through Jake and Gino, uh, which are two very uh, well-known uh, multifamily investors. Um, uh, they also talked about one of the big things that they learned how to do was to figure out, learned how to lower expenses when it comes to when they acquire a, uh, a multifamily property um as far as how much money did it take to get them did it take for them to get started they they purchased a, a property for 821,000 uh and they had to bring 25% uh to that so a little over 200,000 um and you know you can get in uh cheaper doing syndications um when you're bringing on private capital but uh they they talked about they didn't want to do that they didn't want to be responsible for someone else's money from, from the start. So that's why they brought their own money to the deal. Uh, and I, I, I highly recommend that as well. There's a lot of people who, you know, get stars in their eyes about syndication and, uh, and want to have their first deal be a syndication. And, um, that's a, a risky proposition. I'll just say that, um, how much time do they spend on the real estate endeavors? Now that it's up and running, it's pretty much a full-time job. Um, Uh, and, uh, and that's, you know, that, that is true of a lot of syndicators that we talk to. There's so many moving parts to it. There's finding deals, there's, uh, networking with investors, there's analyzing deals. Um, it's, it is a full-time job. Um, could they do this strategy from anywhere in the world? Um, the answer is yes, they're already, uh, one lives in Colorado and one lives in California and they're investing in Ohio and they're about to start investing in, in Florida, although, um, one of them is going to move there to, uh, to help do that, but I would say, yes, they can. So, well, once again, that was Oscar and German Buendia from Good Day Capital and REI brothers on Instagram. Uh, I, I urge you to go check them out. We're doing this all again next week. Uh, let's hit the road. Hey, before you go, if you like the show, we would be delighted if you'd head over to Podchaser and leave us an honest review. And do let us know why you like the show, how long you've been listening, and in particular, what you find really useful or entertaining. And let us know if there's anything you think we should change. Also, if you have specific questions about real estate investing, especially self-storage or short-term rentals, shoot us an email at info at road to and we'll be happy to answer your question on the show. We might even turn it into an entire episode. Thanks for listening. We're doing this all again next week. Until then, safe travels.